Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is episode number 30. And we are joined today by Miss Lenise Brothers. And Lenise is the founder of Eat, Love, Move. And today, Lenise is going to be talking to us about health hormones and barriers a very exciting topic and i can't wait to hear everything that she has to say hello lenise hi hi good morning or good <laughs> evening for you good evening <laughs> for me and good morning for you in london how are you yes very well indeed good good i'm so glad i'm so happy that you're here with us and you're going to be um sharing some of your knowledge with our audience uh today i'm really excited actually so why don't you tell us a little bit about you and, and your background and how you got into the work that you're doing now? Yeah, sure. So, I, so I've been, I'm originally Canadian and I've been living in the UK for about 15 years. And most of that time I've been working in advertising. And I got pregnant with my son and I just looked around and realized that I couldn't, the, what I was doing was just not sustainable while, with a child. I was traveling every week, going to the New York, to Paris, going to China. And I just thought, I don't think I can do this uh, with, a, with a child. I know some women do it and more power to them, but my, for me, that wasn't sustainable. So I started thinking about other things that I could do. And I've always been really passionate about health and nutrition. And I thought, started to think, well, could I make a career out of this? So I did my research and I retrained as a nutritionist. And I opened up my practice, Eat, Love, Move, um, specialized, and I specialize in working with women, primarily over 30, who feel as though they're being ruled by their hormones and sugar cravings and really want to get to grips with hormonal issues such as heavy and painful periods, PMS, fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, postnatal depression, all the way through to perimenopause and menopause. So I deal with all stages of the menstrual cycle and all of the hormonal issues that fall out of that. And it's been incredible um, setting up my practice and just having the privilege to speak to so many women and hear their stories and hear their journeys. Because for a lot of women, there's a lot of emotion tied up in this because this kind of not understanding their bodies and feeling ruled by these this emotional roller coaster, feeling ruled by pain and the kind of symptoms that come off the back of the hormonal issues they've been experiencing. So that's a little bit about what I do. Okay. So I think there are a lot of uh, women actually listening who can relate to you making that shift in your career. I think that happens yeah. to a lot of women at some point. It sounds like you had quite a demanding career. You were traveling all around the world and you just decided this isn't going to work for me right now where I am in my life. Um, so you said you were, were you always passionate about nutrition and that's why you chose this particular field or was it, was it some, was it your own personal journey with um, hormonal issues? 
I'd say it's a mix of both. So I've always been passionate about health and nutrition. Um, I was a vegetarian for a long time and had done a lot of research around that to inform my decision. And then my own personal journey where for a long time I had experienced, um, I had been suffering from depression, from anxiety, from very heavy, um, heavy periods, very bad period pain and PMS. And I started to, you know, I went the, the typical medical route with antidepressants, with the birth control pill, and they just didn't work for me. So I started very slowly to explore alternatives. And the more research I did, the more I realized the power of, of food and lifestyle. And it just made me wonder why, why weren't more people talking about this? And then it just opened up a whole, opened up a whole new world for me that once I decided to switch careers, just triggered something and that, okay, this is something I definitely want to get into. Right, right. And this is such a broad and nuanced topic. Um, and what you just said, uh, food as medicine, that's so, that's so important and that's really key. And I think there are a lot of people who don't realize that something as simple as changing your diet and changing your lifestyle can affect your hormonal health. Absolutely. I, I see this a lot where, and it, it was, it's also comes from my own experience where women, they, they don't make the connection between what they're putting in their body and even what they're putting on their bodies and how they feel, you know, the, our bodies are so incredible and, you know, we, there's this mentality right now of food is fuel but food is so much more than that. And food can be incredibly healing. And I want to make really clear that I do, I am not anti-conventional medicine. Mm. I see the role and I see its power. I mean, it, it saved my life. And, but I also see the power of complementary medicine and, and food and lifestyle as, and that I think the two play a strong joint role. Right. So it's more of a holistic approach. There's the conventional Western, if we want to call it that medicine. And then there's the alternative, there's the Eastern medicine. And like you said, food and lifestyle. So it's the whole package as opposed to just focusing on taking medication. Absolutely. The whole package. And that's really why I named my business Eat, Love, Move. Because for me, it's about all three. It's about what you what you eat what you drink but it's also the how you move your body mm-hmm. and then the final piece of the puzzle is the love so it's a more of a spiritual a nourishing your mind and all three so the mind body spirit they're all connected mm-hmm. and when you work in that kind of i guess you could call it a tri- triumvirate mm-hmm. there good things can happen Mm. Do you think many of us modern women are quite disconnected from our bodies because we don't realize, like you just um, mentioned, everything is connected, the mind, the body, the spirit. We kind of just think, okay, the body is separate to what I'm thinking, which is separate to how I'm feeling. I, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think that we, 
modern women, you know, we live in big cities, we've got a lot going on and, you know, we live stressful lives and it's almost as that you're just kind of get it, trying to get from one day to the next and you just kind of switch off anything that isn't, isn't going to help you in the immediate term. You just have to disconnect and that's where you see a lot of women going for short-term fixes. So painkillers and, you know, just kind of pills just to patch on and just try to get from one day to the next. And then they kind of, a lot of women, they start to lose that, that connection to um, what their actual body is actually telling them. Mm. Mm. And that's the thing, because so many of us, myself included, because I've shared my own story with you and my struggle with fibroids. And I think so many of us don't understand that when we're in pain, our body's trying to tell us something. I don't think we, we really get that. You understand what I mean? <laughs> I, I know it I, bizarre, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's something that I'm so, I'm so passionate about. Pain yeah. isn't normal. Mm-hmm. And pain is our body's way of telling us that something's wrong. Yeah. And I think there, there's this, this narrative that seems to have been normalized that pain is a normal part of having, having a period. Mm-hmm. And that's completely not the case. It mm-hmm. is possible. And I feel like many of your listeners right now might think, be thinking I'm crazy for saying this, but mm-hmm. it, it is possible to have a period without being in pain, without going on an emotional roller coaster, either the week before your period or during your period. Mm-hmm. And it's, it just comes back again to what you're putting in your body and that how you're nourishing your body, because there's a huge connection between period pain, emotion, the, that emotional roller coaster and the nutrients that you're putting in your, in your body. Mm. So there is a direct correlation between the PMS pain and the food. Yeah, absolutely. Goes the right. Okay. Yeah. So why do you think so many women accept period pain and PMS as normal? You touched on it a little bit when you said there's this narrative. I mean, so many of us, we grew up as girls hearing, oh, that's, that's all a part of being a woman and that's what we women do and all this other stuff. Do you think, um, where do you think that comes from and why, why do women accept it? Why do women think it's, oh, well, that's, that's just how it is to have to suffer? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's a, that's a big question. And there is a lot of, a lot that we can unpack culturally there because, yeah. you know, different cultures have different ways of talking about menstruation and periods and period pain Mm -hmm. and I know for me personally so I so half of my family is Bahamian so we come from that Caribbean culture and it's very you just in our family don't really talk about periods and menstruation and it's kind of like oh you know oh you're on your time of the month oh of course you're going to be a little bit crazy beforehand, or of course you're going to be in pain and it's just accepted as normal mm. and you don't, you never really talked about it. Mm. And so it's, you know, I think different, every family is so, is so different, but 
you know, if you, there are general themes that you can pick out across cultures about the way that they talk about menstruation and that education process beforehand. Um, sometimes it's there and sometimes it, it isn't. And that really informs the way that women feel about their periods for the rest of their lives. Mm. And also religion as well. If yes, absolutely. From a religious background, because every religion has got its own sort of approach and periods, you know, how periods should be handled and how they think about periods. And you combine that with culture and sometimes it can be quite uh, difficult for a lot of women. Yeah, it, it, I think I can think of a couple of religions where, you know, even today, you know, when they're, when women are, are menstruating, they need, they get sent away. Mm. And, you know, I think I've, I've read something recently um, in India where, you know, in some, in some religions and some cultures, menstruating is still seen as unclean and the women get sent away to these kind of menstruation huts. And mm. this is where, and it's actually incredibly dangerous for them because, you know, they have their a higher chance of getting, getting sexually assaulted. Yeah. So, you know, these negative narratives around menstruation, be they religious or, or cultural have dangerous, um, a dangerous impact on women. Definitely. And with girls as well. I know in Nepal, very young girls, like you said, get, they, they can't go to school. They get sent away. There's certain parts of Africa where little girls, but that's, I guess it's a, another side of it where they just, they don't have access to, 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 pick, to napkins or tampons or whatever have you, whatever it, it is. And they can't go to school just because they don't have anything to wear. So I think there's so much, there's so much that we can discuss around periods generally, culturally around the world that I think really have an impact on how women view themselves. Because I imagine if you're a little girl and you're being sent away, like you said, in a hut, or you're being isolated because you have your period, you, you don't really have a good, uh, you, you're not really thinking really good about yourself, do you? Like, okay, something's wrong with me if they're sending me away, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It will, it will have an effect on the way you think about your body, the way you, your self-esteem, and it, it creates that divide between girls and boys where, you know, there's a certain time of the month where girls, they just don't have access to school because mm-hmm. they're being sent away. So then, mm-hmm. you know, it's, a, it's kind of, then it kind of trickles on to the rest of their lives. Just this one mindset about menstruation. And it's, you know, it's, it's so frustrating because it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. And I think it plants seeds of self-hatred in women. It's very easy to start hating yourself and your womanhood when you realize that you're being ostracized for something that's natural. You know, it's, 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 you, you start, you, you don't, you don't really realize it, but you start slowly hating yourself, you know, and the things that you say and the way that you say things. And, you know, I've heard women say things all the time around, you know, I wish I were a man because then I wouldn't have to deal with my period or, you know, I wish I, I, I wish I just periods, my periods would go away. I could have my menopause tomorrow. And I think the root of that is a bit of self-hatred. You don't realize it when you're saying it, but it's coming from a place of, I don't like who I am, you know? Absolutely. I think it, there's, 
there's also connection with the way that women talk about their period. So you, t you hear them talking about the curse or the blob and using this kind of either really self-deprecating or really negative language uh, about the way that they talk about their periods. And if you just break it down to what your, what menstruation actually is, it's a way for, of our bodies, it's our fertility. It and for us to have the, for there to be this ne negative language, this negative narrative and this self-hatred around menstruation, you know, there's, a, it has a connection to, to fertility and how we think about our fertility mm -hmm. and what I see a lot is, you know, this lack of understanding about our menstrual cycles and even the way that we work, you know, even the knowledge that we actually have four phases to mm -hmm. our menstrual cycles. And you see women there on birth control for most, you know, from, from the time when they start menstruating and then when they come off and they decide that they want to get pregnant, there's a whole, there's a lot that you have to, unpick where you know you have to re-educate women about you know the fact that the bleed that they've had when they've been on the birth control pill isn't actually a proper it's a proper it's not a proper bleed it's a pharmaceutical bleed mm. and what they're experiencing now is actually a proper natural menstrual bleed, menstrual bleed so mm. you have to re-educate them about their cycles um, and also that, that, you know, there, it will take time for their cycles to normalize and they might not necessarily get pregnant right away. Yeah. I read somewhere that, um, during the different four phases of your cycles, there's certain things that you should and shouldn't be doing because your body, you've got more hormonal activity during one. So you've got more energy and that's where you should focus more on your projects. And then during another phase, you're, you've got less energy. I don't, I don't know how true it is, but I've, I've read that somewhere. Do you, is that something that you talk about with your clients? Absolutely. So yeah. there's, there's four phases of our cycle mm -hmm. and there, there's, so it's all connected to the peaks and troughs of, of the four key hormones. So estrogen, progesterone, luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone and they go up and down across your cycle and some of those hormones are connected with energy so you know there are there will be times in your cycle so say the week of your period mm -hmm. where you will you will feel more tired mm -hmm. um and that's all connected with your hormones now some I read something interesting yesterday where um, a woman was talking about how you can actually connect the four phases of your cycle to the four seasons. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting way of thinking about it where, mm -hmm. you know, that, that middle, that week, that time right after your, your period ends, you know, you're going into spring mm -hmm. and then, summer is when you're ovulating so you're feeling your most vibrant then you go fall and then winter is the week of your period mm. so 
Interesting. Every woman, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting way of, of looking at it. And there is, you know, there's, there's science behind this as well, because it's all connected with the ups and downs of your, your hormones during your menstrual cycle. Hmm. And I think the w- women before us used to sync their cycles with the moon, which is also pretty interesting. So they kind of just knew what was going on based on on the moon the the lunar cycle and there's there's so many interesting things and research and information surrounding our periods it it really is fascinating uh, yeah i i completely agree i a lot of women today they still look at their they connect their periods with the lunar cycle mm-hmm. um so there's if that's an area that you know you're interested in there's a ton of information about that online um but for me i i do say that you know there is there are your hormones go up and down across your cycle and you can connect them with your moods and you can connect them with how you feel and your energy levels but equally you there are key nutrients that you can be eating in the different phases of your cycle to affect the way you feel so, you know, some women, the week before their period, they, they, that kind of autumn, if you want to call it the autumn, mm-hmm. um, they feel dreadful. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, they, some women get a day of pain. They have an emotional, they go feel like they're going on an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And that is all connected to drops in hormones right before you start menstruating. Yeah. But there's a lot that you can do through food to mm. get those the right nutrients to make you feel better during okay. that phase of your cycle. Okay. And now let's talk about going to the doctor. So, so okay. many of us, <laughs> we have, <laughs> myself included, we've gone to the doctor and we're, we're explaining our symptoms and our pains and we're either being ignored or misdiagnosed and... I think sometimes we feel so disempowered because we've given these doctors so much authority over our health that we become a little scared of actually saying, well, no, this is how I feel and this is actually what's happening to me. So how can we um, change that? How can we address that? How can we help women to sort of stand up for themselves a bit more when they're talking to doctors who we know don't know everything? You know, doctors don't know everything. Yes, and um, it's an interesting one because it's um, it feels in a way almost generational where mm. I see a lot of women, younger women these days who feel very empowered by either the internet or, you know, authoritative, authoritative figures on social media. I, and I'm not talking about kind of lifestyle bloggers, but people who have legitimate connect credentials that they've connected with on social media and they're getting information and they're taking them that information to their doctors as a way of empowering themselves and owning that conversation rather than just being led by their doctors. Whereas with older, older women, some older women, and I'm generalizing hugely here. I know, Mm. um, it's still very much um, a situation of their doctor is kind of, you know, that a figure of authority and they listen to whatever they say quite, quite blindly 
or without really questioning why they need certain things. So, you know, I spoke to a woman recently who she's perimenopausal and mm-hmm. her, she went to her doctor and she just said, well, you know, there's, there's not really any testing that we can do. You just have to wait it out, you know, come back in a year and maybe we'll put you on HRT. And she left that, she left that interaction just feeling hugely disempowered. Mm. And, you know, I think, you know, doctors, they have a lot of training and they, they know a lot. And I'm certainly not trying to discredit the role of doctors, but Mm. What I'm really passionate about is women, women educating themselves and going into those interactions armed with some of their own their own knowledge and asking informed questions and knowing your body as well, so that when when the doctor does ask you a question, you can be able to say, well, no, this is how I feel and this is what happens, even if it means recording, writing down information, because you find doctors will sometimes ask you, well, when was the last time you had this? And how did that feel? And you sit there and you, you feel really sort of clueless because you can't answer the question. <laughs> so even simple things like that are really helpful. Yes. And yeah, going into that, because th- I'm thinking specifically in the UK, in mm. the NHS, there are 10 minutes, you have 10 minutes with your oh, GP. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is just not a long time at all. I compare that to the way I work with my clients in that initial consultation. It's an hour and they've already given me a lot of information beforehand through questionnaires and food diaries. Whereas when you go to a GP, you have 10 minutes, they have a very busy diary. So they're just trying to, and they have to hit these government targets. So they're just trying to get through as many patients as possible. It's like a conveyor belt, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, there's a lot that you can get from your GP, especially have a very, very good one. Mm. Um, But it's about going into those situations, as you say, you know, informed, writing things down and being able to advocate for yourself. Mm. Yeah. And this goes back to what you said earlier about um, complementary medicine. Again, you go to your GP Yes, you have pain and we know they're going to keep going. He or she will run some tests and you'll be diagnosed, et cetera, et cetera. But then there's also seeing a nutritionist or seeing a hormonal specialist and someone else who has more time to dedicate to you and who can sit down and really help you. Because like, like you said earlier, it's the entire package. And I think relying just on going to the GP is probably not going to be the most helpful. Yeah, I th- there's a a movement in the UK mm. um, being led by a doctor called Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. Okay. Um, he was on a program that was on the BBC last year called Doctor in the House. And he developed this program because he could see that that 10 minute appointment model wasn't working. So mm. he, he based this program was basically him working with, with patients for six to 10 weeks, that kind of long-term period where he would involve, involve different specialists to help, help get to that holistic, bigger picture of what was actually wrong with the patient rather than just addressing 
symptom, just addressing symptoms, just going deeper and actually looking at the whole, whole body. So he's, he's driving this movement called lifestyle medicine mm -hmm. with um, the Royal, I believe it's the Royal college of medicine or the Royal college of physicians mm -hmm. where he wants GPs to look at the whole picture and involve complementary medicines um practitioners as much as possible so he talks about the role of nutritionists and how food and lifestyle are medicine mm -hmm. so it's been fascinating to see see what he's been doing over the last couple of years i think i saw his ted talk actually wasn't it inspired by wasn't his son was something had happened to his son i think right i i do remember seeing i think he did a ted talk I think he's done a TED talk and I do remember seeing it, but um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. I haven't seen his TED talk. I'm going to look that up afterwards, but yeah, he's he very, his book is incredible. Um, it's very, it's, he offers very, very clear recommendations and guidance and everything is evidence-based. Okay. And, but it's written in a way that, anyone can just dive in and understand and just take take from it what what they want okay good so what can we do or what do you suggest women do to empower themselves i mean outside of just immersing yourself in the internet and googling everything and reading every book like a crazy woman <laughs> you can do that but not everyone's going to have time or energy for that what what tips or, or just suggestions do you have for the average modern woman who wants to get more in touch with her body outside of contacting you for help, of course, but what, um, <laughs> what can she do to, to like little steps can she take to empower herself? I think the first thing is to, to start to listen to, to her body, mm. to, we you know everyone is busy i don't see people getting less busy but mm -hmm. what i what i what i would love is for women to be able to just you know if you have pain just stop and say okay what i'm in pain what is this pain and just start to listen you know it if you're if you're thirsty you know think about why you're thirsty mm -hmm. if you're hungry you know, just stop and listen to the bot the signals that your body is is um is giving you. Mm. Um, I think you know there is a danger in what what I call Doctor Google mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. and self diagnosis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, there for some some women they tend to go down a rabbit hole. And mm. they, you know, they self-diagnose and it causes them problems. But having said that, there are, a, there's a, the internet is incredible. There are so many resources. Um, it's about knowing, knowing for whatever, um, whatever issue you're trying to educate yourself on, knowing who, who's the expert, who are, who's credible in this space um, because I mean, there have been many cases recently where you have 
these lifestyle and health bloggers giving out advice and they don't actually have any credibility or they don't have any credentials in this space and some of what they're some of the information they're giving out is either incorrect or incomplete mm. and that's you know that can be a danger um mm-hmm. so just you know you going back to you know i think back to when i went to university and they taught us to you know think critically mm. just question question what you're reading and i would say that to to your listeners you know just think critically about what you're reading on the internet and you know make sure that there is evidence behind um, what these people are saying. Yeah. And there is a lot on the internet. I mean, I remember when I first found out I had fibroids, I remember going on the internet and reading all these things that were being sold. Oh, get rid of fibroids in six months and get rid of fibroids now, melt fibroids, this, this, that. And I was just like, hmm, really? <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this actually happened? But there's so much information out there and you don't know what's fact and what's fiction. You really don't know. And um, I think when you're desperate, it's easy to fall prey to these, to these things and people who may not have your best interests at heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think there, you know, there's a lot of snake oil mm-hmm. out there. Um, and there are a lot of people who they, they, they think they're experts. They think that they have, they think that they have the answers and they're very persuasive. Mm. Um, so I, I go back to just encouraging women to think critically. And I'm not mm. suggesting that women should be cynical mm-hmm. because cynicism, you know, creates a lot of other problems. Yeah, it's just as just bad, to, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, think, think critically. You know, if someone is saying that they can cure you in six months well okay how you know why what are they doing you know just dig dig don't just accept what's on the surface dig deeper yeah and also the first thing i thought was well it didn't take six months for these fibroids to appear in my body so how on Mm. earth are you going to get rid of them in six (laughs) months you know i imagine things like fibroids pcos endometriosis etc etc Aren't, aren't these things, um, they, they would have been, they, they could have, it's genetic or they would have been in our bodies for a long time and we just didn't know until they start presenting sim- symptoms. So it's not an overnight thing, you know, it's not something you can just get rid of. Yeah, it's, it's not overnight. And, you know, part of the work that I do is really helping my clients understand that health is a long, is a lifelong journey. Yeah. And beware of quick fixes mm. because with quick fixes that say, okay, do this seven day detox and stop eating this, 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 and this, um, you may lose however, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, but you're not educating yourself on how to eat on a lifelong basis. You're not developing habits that will, you know, see you through to the rest of your life. You're just, all you've learned is how to lose weight in a certain amount of time. Yeah. So beware of quick fixes and beware of detoxes. And I mean, that word is, it's what that word is just 
irritates me so much because it's um, used everywhere it's it's so prominent you know detox detox and i think there was um a scientist or a doctor that said once you can't actually detox because your body has its own natural mechanisms for detoxing so when people say quote unquote detox what are they really referring to and it made me think hmm you know <laughs> like liver de- I, mean, I guess these are just things to sort of assist the body with its natural process but i don't know what are your thoughts on that so your body has i, I go back to this this thought that underpins everything I do is that the body is incredible and we have so many organs that are detox organs. So Mm -hmm. your liver, Mm -hmm. your kidneys, um, your, so much of your digestive organs, your skin. Yeah. Those are, those are detox organs. So when you sweat, it's a, it's a way of your body releasing toxins Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of women who have hormonal issues are often, they're quite constipated mm-hmm. and that's because they're, you know, they're not detoxing or they're not excreting the excess hormones because right. they come out through the bowel movements. Yeah. So yeah. there's ways, your body has all of these different detox organs and you, there are ways that you can support those organs and that's what I say you you don't need to de- go on a detox you need to support your liver you need right. to support your kidneys right. support your skin right support those detox organs and you support it by having the green juice or by having the you know the the fruits and the veggies or whatever it you need to do to help to aid your body in that process but your body already has everything that it needs to detox on its own yeah exactly you you support you support it with the nutrients it needs so i go to the liver the liver Mm -hmm. is incredible and it does so many different things to us i don't that i don't think people actually realize and for women um especially drinking alcohol can be so problematic because Mm. the liver prioritizes getting rid of that alcohol above anything else because it converts to ethanol and that's a foreign substance. So your body just wants to get rid of it right away. And when it's doing that, it's not doing things like processing, metabolizing hormones. It's not metabolizing fats and proteins. So that's where a lot of women, they get into, get themselves into trouble with drinking a lot and you know there's a big culture of you know with mums that by wine o'clock and it just Mm -hmm. daily drinking and it puts a lot of pressure on our livers Mm -hmm. and we and then they become compromised and then it leads to hormonal issues so your body can detox but you need to treat treat it in the right way give it the things that it needs through food through um just your lifestyle choices um and then it will do it for you and what do you think has led to the rise of um things such as pcos and endometriosis and fibroids do you think like you mentioned earlier it's that we've become so busy that we we we're not listening to our bodies so we don't realize things are happening is it our diets is it 
What do you think it is? I think it's, it's a, it's a a lot of everything that you've just said. It's shift in diets, shift in lifestyle. Um, We generally speaking, you know, we live in a more toxic world with pollution through the air, through, through our food, pollution in the sea. And that all has an effect on our bodies. So, you know, with PCOS, it can, there's a huge genetic link between, um, and it runs through the maternal line um, for not all women, but there is a big genetic link um, with PCOS. Um, but, you know, thinking, thinking about things like fibroids and, you know, the, a lot, there's a big connection with the way that we, we excrete hormones and that toxic load because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just about what we're eating, but it's also what we're putting on our bodies as well. So yeah. skincare and home care and, and, um, and so, makeup you know, apparently, the, right? Yeah. Makeup is makeup. really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Because your body, you know, your, your skin is a huge organ and you, you absorb everything that your body, you put on it. And so that has to go somewhere. So, mm-hmm. and that generally is going to the liver to, to be metabolized. And again, it comes back to your body prioritizing, metabolizing um, those substitu- substances over, you know, metabolizing fat, metabolizing hormones. And so it's just an extra load. That means that your liver isn't necessarily doing what it needs to do. Yeah. My goodness. Well, so what parting words do you have for our listeners who are all um, early stage entrepreneurs, um, female entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs? So they're all in this world, busy, you know, hustling and juggling. And because you know what it's like, you're building a business yourself. Um, And they're busy. You know, this this is just state of affairs. They're busy and they've got a lot going on. What do you have? What what? words can you offer them for again empowering themselves through menstrual and reproductive health really knowing and understanding their bodies and and giving them I guess again some tips on how to balance building these businesses and not um compromising their their reproductive health because so much of our body is is connected to our reproductive and and hormonal health I'd say there's there's three things so there's listening to your body there's taking time every day to do something for yourself so that daily self-care habit and then making sure that you you eat so i know you everyone is busy and and sometimes you know there's a lot of eating on the go and there's a lot of you know or forgetting to eat or relying on coffee and Mm. you don't want to burn out so it's about listening to your body. It's about finding some finding something that you can do every day as that daily self-care. It could be something as simple as just remembering to do to breathe, you know, to to do that deep breathing where you're getting oxygen to your brain and you're getting yourself out of that stress stress state. You know, just 
going back, I don't know, many, maybe many of you, your listeners will do yoga. So mm. really getting, tapping into that yogic breathing yeah. um, where you're getting your body back into more um, of a relaxed state. And then this falling out of that is just remembering to nourish your body. You know, you, everyone has to eat. It's three, you, you three meals a day, generally speaking, make sure you're eating well and you know, everyone's busy, but don't be too busy to eat properly. Yeah. And just love yourself and take care of yourself because you can build these amazing businesses, but then you won't be able to enjoy them because you'll be, yes, you will be. Yes. Yes. And where can everyone reach you, Lenise? Can you tell us your website and your contact details? So my website is www.eatlovemove.com. And then on Instagram, I'm at eatlovemove. And then on Facebook, I'm um, eatlovemovenutrition. So those are my main platforms. And of course, you can send me an email at hello at eatlovemove.com okay and you've got an amazing facebook community right that your that your community people can join yes so i have a private facebook group called embrace your hormones okay and this is a private space where women can join join in ask questions about their hormones things that they've been experiencing and get um get information so evidence inform, evidence-based information and support from me um and i go in every day answer questions and at the moment we are doing a five-day happy hormone habit challenge oh, so wow. five yeah and it's been wonderful so five habits that every day is a new habit today we're on day four and it's about just educating women on these little things that you can do every day that will help your hormones. So that's been amazing. So if any of your listeners are interested in, in joining, um, yeah, just join my Facebook page and then all the information is on the Facebook page. And it's also a great way for them to get to know you in case they're a little apprehensive or they've never done this before or they're nervous. They can learn a little bit more about you and then they can sort of follow up and contact you. Do you offer consultations first? Is that sort of how it would look? Like they would contact you, there'd be some kind of face-to-face consultation, and then you'd go from there? Yeah, so I, um, yeah, the Facebook page is a great way to get to know me. I do lots of Facebook Lives, um, generally just me chatting and answering questions on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I offer a just a, a free a free 20 minute call before I start working with anyone for me to understand um, health concerns, health goals, talk about the way I work and for people to just to get to know me a little bit and equally for me to get to know them. And then if, if it's a good fit, then we go on to working together on, um, on one of my hormone health programs. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Well, there you go, lovelies. Now you know exactly 
where you can find Lumise. You know a little bit more about what she does and, and how she does it and how to connect with her. And this has been such a great conversation. Um, like I've told you before, I learned so much when I speak to you, when I listen to you. So this has been really, really great. And I hope um, all of you have learned something new. I know I have. And please do move forward, empowered to, um, to just do good for yourself if not for anybody else, for yourself, because you deserve it. So thank you so much, Lenise. It's been great having you on board. Thank you. And I look forward to having you back on again. It will be nice to um, speak with you again in the future um, when your yes. business has grown and you're doing much bigger projects just, just to hear about the transformation from a business perspective. That would be great as well. Yeah, I would love that. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, bye.